Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and our guest today is Jill Louise Busby, the author of Unfollow Me, Essays on Complicity. Jill is a writer and filmmaker and is known as Jill is Black from her former Instagram account of that same name. We talk today about our worth in relationship to audience, how she named the book, and impact versus intention. This next book club pick for September is Blood in the Water by Heather Ann Thompson. We'll be discussing the book on the show on Wednesday, September 29th with Derricka Purnell. If you love the podcast and want more of it, check out the Stacks Pack on Patreon. You support the show with a monthly contribution and in exchange, you earn perks like exclusive bonus episodes, discounts on merch, virtual book club meetups, and a lot more. If you're interested in joining and being the recipient of my eternal gratitude, head to patreon.com slash the stacks. I want to give a special shout out to some of the newest members of the Stacks Pack, Stasia Penn, Bethany Brady, Eliza VDB, Amy, Chrissy, Hanif Abdurraqib, Casey J. Gamble, Christine Platt, Kristen, and Stephanie Livingston. Thank you all so much. And now it's time for my conversation with Jill Louise Busby. All right, everybody. I'm very excited today. I am here with the author of Unfollow Me, Essays on Complicity, Jill Louise Busby, aka Jill is Black, for those of you who are internet people. Spoiler alert, Jill is Black. Uh, Jill, welcome to the Stacks. God, you told everybody right away. (laughs) Thank you. You know, I just wanted to make sure people knew before we got into it. It just feels really important. It's it's good to be clear, I think. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm so happy to be here. So we're recording this right before your book comes out. We're still in August. Your book is out June, June, September 7th. I'm like going back. It's been a weird year. It's It's been a terrible year. Um, But I'm really excited that you're here. I picked up your book sort of like they sent it to me. I picked it up being like, I really am interested in this. I'm really excited. And I'm so glad that I did. I just loved your tone and your energy. And we'll get into all of that. But before we do, I ask everyone to do this. And it sort of simplifies a lot of work into 30 seconds. But in about 30 seconds, can you just tell me about the book? 
Yeah. Um, it's a book about when we are insiders, when we are outsiders, when we know we are in each place, that gray area in between. It's about the internet. It's about identity. It's about um, complicity. It's about the cost of our participation in the things that we critique and how far we can really go before we become what we fear. Yeah. I think I think I would sum it up like that. I think that's good. That Great. last bit is the part of the book that just really fucking like hammered me in the heart. And I definitely want to spend time talking about that, about sort of like complicity and how we end up profiting from or like gaining from the things that we critique and like the thing the things that we critique negatively you know because right. like, you can be right. critical of things that you love but Absolutely. there is that distinction of like and, and in your case a lot of it has to do with like race because you were making these videos and posts and things online that were like dear white people stop doing this shit and then at a certain point like your audience becomes these white people i mean and you talk about this a lot in the book so i don't want to give everything away but like as a human when did you realize that that was happening and how did you sort of respond over time? Because I imagine at first it felt different than maybe a year later or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think because I had done like DEI work for nonprofits for a long time, that always existed for me, the idea of like, what am I doing? What, who's calling me and, and what am I supposed to say mm. so that this is considered a good job? Right. Who gets to decide what that looks like? Um, and so I had, I had been toying with that, but not a lot, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, a little bit, but you got bills. So you can only play so much because you got to pay your bills. And so I think what happened was after I went viral, I had this like image of myself that really existed outside of me that I had to look at. And it was like all of my ego and all of my rage and all of it, and, and a lot of it being valid. But suddenly it was like outside of me and existed mm -hmm. for other people. And so I had to critique it as if it was something else, something that it was, which was outside of me. So it got harder every year because at first it was awesome. Right. <laughs> so you're like, this is great. They're in your inbox. They're like, hey, we'd like you to do this thing. You're like, right. yes. And then, of course, you know, I'm getting a lot of praise from black people. And that feels good because right. all of a sudden it's like, oh, yes, say it, speak it. We love it. And you're like, OK, OK, OK. And then there are the people in your comments like, are you happy doing this? Mm. You know, and you got to ignore them. You got to call them trolls because you're not right. about to change. So what are you going to do? Right. like right. blocked, you know. So <laughs> um, I think it was when I, too, was like, would I follow this person? And what am I getting from this that it really started? And of course, being in the rooms with other people and being like, oh, where am I now? And who's here with me? Right. And sometimes right. it was great. And sometimes right. it wasn't. And then what did you do? Like, how did you because you I mean, you shifted. Jill is black. It's no longer your handle. Right. You changed yeah. your handle. You've like become you've like had this metamorphosis of sorts away from that. But like, how did you decide, like, you know what, I'm going to put Jill the human first over Jill the viral personality like I don't know I don't know what the question is but I know that there's a question I there. do you I get what I'm getting it. at okay yeah I get it um honestly at first I just ran from it mm. because I also had a real life right. you know like there's the real life off of the internet and it's happening quickly and 
you know, my mom keeps like hinting like, you don't seem happy. Hmm. Like you just don't seem happy when you're talking about the internet. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> and, you know, over time, my real life just overtook it where I, I had to look at, <sighs> was it what I really wanted to be doing or did I feel like I had to do it because it came with the biggest like right. amount of ego for me, you sure. know, like did I believe the stuff or was I just trying to be good at saying it? And whether the answer became yes at the end of it or not, I still had to ask and then I'm like, why don't you ask any questions when you're talking to these people? Why don't you encourage other people to ask questions? You're doing it offline. So my offline and my online just stopped meeting up mm. because in the beginning, it did meet up. Right. And then slowly you get more experiences. You learn more. Things change. And it's like, oh, I'm not being authentic. And it's the internet. So right. when am I ever being authentic? But right. I'm not like matching up with myself in a way that feels really uncomfortable. Yeah. I think what resonated for me with your book and I think I think that in some ways my life is similar to yours in the sense like I had this podcast and I was talking yeah. about books. And then last summer, people discovered Black people, right? And they decided that like my voice was all of a sudden important or like interesting. Mm -hmm. And then there came a level of new followers, new success. And I felt like, you know what? I've been doing this since before. Like I had Dr. Ibram Kendi on the podcast yeah. in 2019. Like mm -hmm. I was a fan of his book. You know, like I... I was doing, you know, quote unquote, the work or whatever beforehand. Right. And like, I'm black also, spoiler. So like, uh -oh. you know, some of it, <laughs> some of it was just my experience. But then at a certain point, I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Who is my audience? Like, who am mm -hmm. I talking to? I talk into, the, I talk to my guest and I talk into this void and then it goes out into the world and like, who's listening right. and who's hearing. And, and I think that for me, and I wonder if this is the same for you, there's a sense of fear of all of a sudden there's like, people are listening now or people are interested in what I have to say and I don't want to say the wrong thing, even though right. in my private life, I might be saying something different or like when I'm reading these books or I'm thinking about things, I'm all of a sudden getting worried about like, am I going to offend someone and all of this? <laughs> and I felt like what was great about your book is like you sort of said, yeah, I went through all those things and I decided that being honest about what was going on and saying like, fuck it, if you don't like me, unfollow me type vibe, like that, that was really empowering for me yeah. to read. And I, I went to a lot of my other friends in the book space who had a similar experience where like they got an influx yeah. of followers after the murder of a black person. And uh -huh. we were all, you know, in the group chat being like, this sucks. How do I yeah. feel excited about the work that I've been doing and also not feel like a terrible person for getting hello fresh food meal kit advertisement on my podcast right like it helps me pay the bills i have to pay the bills this is my job but also like i know that this is because white people decided that i was valuable to them to quote unquote learn or whatever you know right. and so right. i feel like your book was really helpful for me to think through that stuff because you were sort of the the wave of interest in black people before last summer right like yours was like more closely tied to like around Ferguson, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's and it's just such an interesting thing. Yeah, I like that we're tracking the years based right. on this because there's nothing traumatic about that. Right, right. Uh, it's all so all. traumatic. There's like no way to even talk about it without feeling like this is yeah. other people's real life nightmares. It, it just is. And I think the way to talk about it is to talk about it because what was frustrating to me, now keeping in mind that I started this during that, but I get this book started right at the beginning. I want to say it was before, but if it wasn't before, then it's, it's right around uh, the death of George Floyd. 
And so I was still writing very much during that time and seeing everything that was going on. Uh, they didn't choose everybody. So right. <laughs> to your credit, they, <laughs> they didn't choose everyone. And we still have to ask ourselves, why us? Why me? Um, yeah. I will say that it was strange because I don't necessarily have a big like audience of white people that talk a lot in my comment section. Oh, lucky you. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. so it just has never been this style. I had a lot of black people. Mm. So people are always like, oh, and you have the white. No, I, I actually didn't. Now they are there, but I didn't have that kind of dialogue that happens in comment sections. I see it and it, it has happened, but it wasn't a lot of it. Um, in some ways, this was harder because I had a lot of black people that I felt really like, I don't want to, it's not responsible to for or rap something, you know, right. that I felt it was like, but this is us and you're following me. And that made it so much harder to like dig myself out of this and say, no, black people, like, hold on, <laughs> us. I'm talking to us. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be saying the same things now that I said then. Hmm. And it was very personal to do it that way. The book, you know, I try not to say or state anything. I try not to make any value judgments. Of course I do about black people. I tell the story and I'm like, if you decide that that's what I mean, then you should ask yourself why you think that. But with white liberalism, I just go ahead and, and say it because that has just been my experience in watching what's happening. I would, I would want them to ask themselves why like this. Right. That's not my work. Why like this? Why do you want to win in someone's comment section? Right. Do you, what, what do you think if you now could be you then, because you said you might not say things the same way, what do you think you would change? Who am I? You know, who, like, who am I? Um, I think more than most people, I really had a separation of self and, and persona. You know, no one knew anything about me. I would right. come on, I would do this stuff, and I would leave. And it wasn't, you know, any stories and any in-between, like, oh, I'm here, I'm there. So no one really got to know me. It was just that. And in some ways that felt really dangerous because I never had to say what was going on behind the scenes since this book. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I eventually change. It starts to dear white people, then it gets to dear black people, and then it gets to dear me, us, you know. And so I did that while I was still active on social media, but it got slower and slower all the time. Because how much do I really need to say on social media Right. As this person, unless I'm going to stop it, write this book and say, now you know who I am so we can talk. But how do you talk as a persona? Right. I mean, the heading on your website is honesty is revolutionary. And I want to know more about why that's sort of the phrase that that you picked for yourself. I'm really exhausted by having conversations in public differently than I have them in private. Mm. That's exhausting. And I especially got frustrated to have them with other people who also maybe had persona. And like we would go off to the side and be like, oh, isn't this ridiculous? Oh, they only like us for this reason. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And none of that was reaching the public sphere. Well, then we don't have the whole story. Mm -hmm. Because if I secretly am having all these thoughts and feelings and I'm not presenting them, like what do we do? Like what do we do with that? It's very easy. It's very safe to just say, here's my ideology. My great big ideology that is unpracticed and I don't have to test it out with you. You don't have to see how it conflicts with my real life. You don't have to see if I'm really living this way. And we act as though we can have these ideologies that don't necessarily match our lives. Like We go talk amongst friends. We're like, oh, white people are doing this thing. 
And then you go in this room and you don't say it. And then you want them to correct something that you literally never said because you were having two separate conversations. Are you going to go ahead and say the real thing that you say amongst black people? Are you going to say this curated, prepackaged, kind of safe, wait, we can say a little more now, so I'll say it this way, or oh, now I'm the expert in the room because George Floyd, I'll say it that way, or oh, they respond. If you're having it like that, how do we think it's getting better? We haven't said anything that we would say over here. And when I'm saying to white people what I would say to black people, with no differences unless it's like intimate stuff, then I'll know. Mm-hmm. And so I was working on getting better at saying, this is what I'd say to my friends. So I'm going to say it to you so you can have a real opportunity to see the whole picture and not just something you can pick and choose from. Has that changed how the conversations have gone for you? And if so, in what sort of ways? Yeah, they've gotten better. I think that, <laughs> are we underestimating how much honesty we can bring to the table? Yeah, but it's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so if if you are a person who feels ready to have that conversation, have it with whoever you want to have it with and say, oh, this is what's going on with me. This is how I feel about the work that I do. This is how I feel about white people who talk to me like that. I just go ahead and have it. Um, Jill's Black helped. <laughs> but I don't know that that's for everybody. If you feel ready to have it, then have it. But that's not for everybody. Well, right, because I'm thinking like, I'm thinking about I hate to use this phrase and I, I wish there was another word to use, but like this idea of like cancel culture or call out culture mm-hmm. where it's like, especially on social media where let's say, you know, you're, you're on, you're on your platform, you're talking to people on a broader scale on your social media right. and someone does something in the comments that you don't like a white person. And it's like, okay, well we need to have mm-hmm. this conversation. So then you share it. And let's say you like black out their name. I'm thinking of like Rachel Cargill, for example, she does this a lot where she'll, or she used to, where she would like black out someone's name, but then show how these parts of the conversation that someone would message her were like problematic or gaslighting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it, the whole conversation shifts and becomes about like, she's canceling this white lady or like not all white people and like blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like, I think about, I hear what you're saying about honesty and like how, when we're having certain conversations amongst black folks that we're not having amongst with white people who are coming to us either as friends or family members Mm -hmm. or on social media, like how to have, I don't know, like how to meet people where they are and to still have an honest conversation. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that I had a lot of quiet white people who were following me because again, they're there. And so they got to see my dialogue with black people. Mm. And in this book, I don't steer away from talking to black people even if white people are watching. I think that, you know, black people have (laughs) big human lives that white people do not have to deal with. There is no, here's how we're flawed. Here's how it looks when we're in this room with each other. Mm. Here's what this hierarchy looks like. Here's what my ego looks like, my pride, my desire for fame, my desire for attention— all of these human things. Instead, if you want to hear me just be the black expert of life that you come to and you rain all of this praise down on me that means nothing, nothing. absolutely nothing, to say thank you for this and that or whatever, thanks, <laughs> but I don't know that I can really trust that mm. because I do know that there are white if you go to my comment sections, there's just not a lot going on. I would have somebody come in and say, like, fuck you, Jill. But I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I feel it. That's fine. But this, like, 
we're doing this thing back and forth and I'm correcting the other white women. And so now I look like I have it right and more right than this other white woman. I'll tell her for you. Don't worry. Like, no, you're not going to tell anybody right. on my behalf. I don't need you to do that. Um, I'm, I'm not going to dialogue with someone who doesn't mean it, you know? So there's a way that I can use it, but I, I don't, I don't want to. Right. Now, Again, if someone can do that, let them do it. That just wasn't my way. If somebody wants to come into, as we see in the book, my DMs and really talk to me, then I will talk to you. But I know the difference between when this is another flex, something else to learn, something else to be like, and now check mark this ideology. I'll read this book and I'll cover my face on public transportation so you see that I'm reading this black book. I'm not interested in that. But people who are really like, even if it's why are you doing this fucked up thing mm-hmm. and you mean it, mm-hmm. then I'm going to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And it really goes better than with someone who is really just here for my script. Right. And to say that they're challenging themselves by following me because I'm edgy as opposed to this other person. Right. Right. I'm, I just really like you. Um, <laughs> I just Tracy, it, uh, like I feel like I'm the one talking to the celebrity. Me here, yeah. Uh, what's I'm not going to ask you here, but like, what the hell is going on? You're like a superstar <laughs> in oh life. God. It has nothing to do. I mean, there's also this part I want to circle back around and say, how will we know when we're here to do the thing and we're just good at the thing? If we also keep relating it to, oh wait, hold on, they chose us, so what does this mean? Yeah. I don't want to throw that thing away. If you can do what you're doing, you you just can, because right. again, they don't choose everyone. But it's unfortunate that we would even have to do that. That yeah. it has to be like, did I get all of this because someone died? Yeah. That's you know, like even that feels unfair. So, that's totally unfair. I mean, I think yeah. that that's the thing. I think for me, that is the piece of it that fucks with me the most. Yeah. Like, which sounds kind of selfish and kind of heartless a little bit. Like, you're living your life. But, like, (laughs) you know, like, I remind myself constantly, like, I was doing this work before Mm -hmm. and I was having authors of color and black authors and queer authors. And, like, I've been, the show has not changed. Yeah. You know, and so, like, I try to remind myself that. But there is, of course, this question of, like, why me? Like, you know, and whatever. That's also, a little bit of my own personal crazy talking too, like my own anxieties and my own, you know, I was a ballet dancer and a gymnast when I was oh, little. So like I have like all those crazy. You should crazy, have led with that. Yeah, like yeah, all that like weird, that. crazy perfectionist lifestyle choices. And I'm a Leo. So like there's just like a lot going on. Uh, wow. <laughs> and they won't see my faces. So yeah. I have to remember you to be to like, like, wow. You have to audi- You have to make it audible yeah, how make a, crazy to, you think okay. that I am. Exactly. I'm very facial expression. So I, okay, I got it. Let's do it. <laughs> but yeah, the whole, I mean, it's just, I don't know, maybe eventually when people decide to get vaccinated and like take care of one another and we have a better world and things are a little bit less horrible and crazy, I'll be able to reflect on this time and like write a book about it like you did. But I'm like so far from that. Um, Also, I hate writing, so I'm never going to write a book about that. But you know what I'm saying? Um, (laughs) But I do have a question kind of in there around like you said you sort of started this book right around the time of last summer. When you were thinking, because I know you were probably thinking about it before you ever put pen to paper or started typing mm-hmm. or however you wrote it. How did last summer change how you approached this book or did it? Mm-hmm. It didn't change that much. I think that this is a group, the group that responded to George Floyd in this way that we're now making fun of, but loved last year. <laughs> um 
I was already skeptical. Mm. So I wasn't newly skeptical. Got it. You know, I think if you are waiting for individuals to die before you are interested, Mm -hmm. then that's already a place to exist in. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm not um, invested in people growing and getting better or whatever. I very much believe in that. Speaking of cancel culture, I very much believe in that. Same, same. But not like this. You know, this not like this. Not as this is what it takes for me to dot, dot, dot. Whoever that person, whomever, whoever, whoever we're talking about, if that's what it took, then I'm already a little bit like, why? Mm. Why would that have to happen? And then what made this different than any of the other like big media mm-hmm. murder? Like what what did it for you? Is it because you were inside? Right. Did you have the time? You know, because obviously we had seen this of course. before. So why? Who knows? But uh, yeah, it, it wasn't new information necessarily. It's something that obviously has been slowly burning right. for a while. Right. This is sort of a flip on the same question, which is how was it for you to publicly call yourself out in so many ways throughout the book? You do it. I mean, like the last essay is essentially you talking to yourself about yourself. And throughout the book, we see you kind of talking about who you were at a certain point of your life and now who you are now kind of breaking that down as like most mm-hmm. memoir type things are, at least the good ones. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like, were you nervous to call yourself out? Were you excited to do it? Was there something freeing about it? Did it feel icky? Like, how did you navigate that part of it? It took until this week <laughs> for me not to genuinely took until this week to not be terrified. Mm. And that feels important to say. Because if I go around and act like, yeah, I just wrote this, you know, tell-all basically and I was fine with it. That's not true. It was scary. And I think I needed to hear from other people to be like, these are these like side conversations, right? But I can do it here? Mm. Okay, cool. And, and, you know, that was the test. Can I have the side conversation, even the one that I have with myself right. in public? Using myself as like creatively that's just something I've always done so then there's just the writer part my show moms as managers like I always like to play around with who we really are and make it art Mm -hmm. that's just a style thing so it was always going to be something like this but yeah it was scary because I think you can write the book where you just say like you 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 you're the problem and let me tell you why and here's all the degrees I have that allow me to tell you why and here's all the research I did that Or I could say, here are my stories, which was already scary enough because Mm -hmm. people these days are like, where are your solutions? I don't have solutions. I have questions. Right. I don't even, I mean, some people are ready for solutions. We're ready for like really direct solutions. But these kinds of questions about like, no, we're not there. We're not even being honest yet. How are we going to answer that? We're not even stating. A lot of the times we don't even have good questions yet. We don't have Like we have like Like, bad questions, which I know a lot about. There you go. I I think yeah, it was it was really really scary, and then I had to think about other people because I can't do it in a vacuum. And while I will say that a lot of these conversations I'm having, there's like multiple, and we you know put it into one person or something like that. It wasn't just me. Right. These are my mother's stories. These are my friends' stories. These are stranger stories. These are people that I've met. And so yeah, it was really really scary. But I think it was always going to be hey, this is me. Because I didn't want to spend my time talking about someone else when I have a great archive right, right here right. that allows me to just go ahead and try my own honesty. And why would I tell somebody something to do and not, you know, try to exemplify it? You know, so even if the next book is like, now I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to refer back to this book where I was like, I tried it. 
Um, right. And that's, you know, and I won't do that because by then who knows if I'll even agree with the book. Right. But <laughs> it just seemed worthy because I, I know that people might be a little scared to talk in public right now. So I wanted to also show what happens when someone calls themselves out before they are asked to or forced to. Mm. Or someone says, oh, I found out this thing. Now answer for it. How about we freestyle rap battle this? <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and say all the things I think it is. And then when you the book comes out and you say, oh, wait, hold on. What about this? Then let's go ahead and do that. Mm. Um, but I, I'm tired of cancel culture being like you're getting canceled because you get caught. Mm. And then you admit to all the things. Or then you say, wait, hold on. I'm like this because of this. Mm -hmm. What if we flip it? Let's at least flip it and say, well, then I told you. Right. And no, it's not perfect. Right. Right. Like getting out ahead of the story, but for no, but for no story, just like, <laughs> for no story. just like out of the goodness of wanting I to be the right person. I think this brings the story um, right. out almost. So, right. you know, and good person, I don't know. Well, like, who yeah, knows? that was sort but of like, an air quotes, good person, you know, like whatever. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't means. go that far either. <laughs> but like, not air quotes, but like, yeah, but totally. Do you, what was it that made you be less terrified? Because you said you were terrified until this week. Like, did you just, how did you come to that of like, I could do this? Luckily, other people, you know, which always feels good when it gets to be the reminder that we're all still out here yeah. and in this together because I didn't know who would like this thing or right. dislike it. And, you know, the, over the months, the panic sets and you're like, everyone will hate this book and hate me. And so... You know, I think it was like, wait, hold on. This is because, you know, sometimes you're too skeptical. And then you think no one. And that's not the case either. It's going to reach who it reaches. If it doesn't, you know, we have to believe that books are for everybody. This book is for anybody. But is it right. for everybody? Right. I don't know. Right. Um, and with a debut book, you don't even get to choose me. You know, it's like, I've heard that this thing, so I'll try it. You know, and it's like, I don't know. Right. But, you know, and I'm still, I'm still scared. It's me, right. you know, it's about, it's about me. So I don't know if that'll ever go away, but what I will say is you probably want me to be scared. If, you know, like yeah. to read a book like this, I think people should want me to be scared of what they will think. I think it's balance um, because it's a, it's a bold book. There's some bold talking. So it's, it's only fair that I yeah. spent the last few months being like, oh no. I definitely was like, as I was reading it, was like, wonder how she's feeling knowing that people are reading this book because I read it I think in July so a few yeah. months early and I was thinking like you know it's not out yet but I wonder what that feels like and that's not something that I usually think about when I read a book early yeah. like usually I'm just like oh I'm so lucky I got this book early but I was <laughs> I was on an airplane and I was like I wonder what sort of like self-care Jill is up to these days like sending out those copies like I I just I definitely thought about that which I think is a testament to you like going there air quotes again I don't know that's sort yeah, of like a cheesy phrase like she went there you go, go there girl yeah um not really my when you vibe. say it like that versus yeah. the original <laughs> um is there anything that is not in this book that you wish was in the book yes I think that doing it today and what are you going to do like I can't go back so this was always going to be the book mm -hmm. but I think that now I get to talk about saying like I wish I spent more time on saying where my happiness was mm. as we go on but the truth is is by the time I was really finishing this book up I didn't know myself you know so it had to be okay because it had to be the book of just where I was now I can say oh you should have spent some time 
saying like, and once I let this thing go, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. And here's what I got instead. And it's also a really empowering time because I'm getting to hear from everybody. And I get to connect based on something that I really feel right. as opposed to ideology or something that really happened to me. So when people say they like, they're like, oh, you know, this is my thought process when I'm in these kinds of rooms or whatever. And so the payoff will be that when someone likes it, it's going to be like a real right. connection, you know, and that's what I'm really all about is like that level of intensity for the connection. So if I write it and you like it, great. Right. Thank you. I appreciate you for reading. But if you like it, like, oh, what? how do you, oh, wait, cool. The payoff is that, you know, we get to be friends, whether we meet each other right. in the world or not. Like, I'm your friend now. I'm out here. I'm trying. I'm sure you're trying. Right. And so now it feels good. You know, it will always feel scary. But now I'm starting to be like, wait, I mean this stuff. Right. So let's let's go. Right. You well, know? there's like a sense of I put this on a piece of paper that has been published in a book. Like so I like there's some standing behind that right. as like a version of yourself. I want to talk about the title. How did you come up with Unfollow Me? <laughs> that uh, um, it used to be Sorry to Disappoint. Mm. When my editor and I came into each other's lives, it was that. And then she was like, so the title. And I knew that she would. I, I Like everyone, I was like, me too. So we had this phone call. I was sitting right here. And we just were throwing these awful titles back and forth. And then for some reason, I remember that when I would conclude a speaking engagement, and they would be like, oh, tell them about your social media, which, you know, is always like, right. make sure they – and so you say you can follow me or unfollow me at, you know, and I would say that. And so I just tried saying it out loud or it can be unfollow me. And my editor's like, wait, what? But I was like, I used to say it. And she's like, wait, hold on. No, that's it. That's so it. that's that was the one. And it has history to it because if you've ever seen me speak, follow me, unfollow me at – and now it's wherever products or services are sold. I added that part. I'm going to steal follow me, unfollow me, because I, I really like that. You really, Tracy, like you can't do it. I'm going to. And I'm going to be like, I came up with this all on my own. I've never heard of Joe Louise Busby. Thanks. <laughs> I have like five good ideas in this life. <laughs> and that's one of them. And if you take it, then I have No, four. this will be your legacy. It'll be like founder of follow me, unfollow don't, me. Don't Inc. do that. Don't try to better be able to talk about it. It's my legacy. <laughs> Because you want to steal it. I want to steal it because whenever I go Take on other it. people's podcasts, they're like, where can people find you? And I'm like, you can follow me on social media at the stacks. I like hate saying it, it. Again, if you say it like that, I just feel like that's not. Well, know, I know because that's how I say it when people ask me where they can follow me. But I feel like I would be more empowered to be like, you can follow me or unfollow me at, you know, like you some base. come in or come out. Like, I'm going to just be there, whatever you want to do. You know, I feel like it's I like almost like come in or come out, though. Like, <laughs> but I'll that's weird. Come, come in, in or come out at the stackspot.com. Let's know. talk about it. Let's table this. We'll, I feel like we'll jam we'll a little bit off. We'll jam a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to come right back. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last Three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? 
With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, everybody, we're back. So I want to talk about the actual process of writing the book. Um, I want to know sort of how long it took you to write the book. I want to know also where you write, how many hours a day, how often. Do you have music? Do you have snacks or beverages? Are you having rituals? Are you lighting candles? Are you doing a dance? Like what is the vibe for your writing life? Mm. Well, what state are you in? California. Okay, so edibles are a big okay. part of it. And then um, Wait, what state are you in? Washington? Washington. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, but I wasn't always. Um yeah. and so, you know, like but really it's like I had a playlist that I eventually could use and it, you know, took me some places. I needed some like good rap on okay. there from when I was having some moments where I was trying to get empowered and then I needed to tell everybody off. You know, yeah. I was writing, I was like, fuck you and fuck you. And I was talking to myself. But, you know, so there was the playlist, but I had six months. Uh, That's because, it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so when um, I was talking to Bloomsbury, who's just been awesome, and I just, I liked them right away. So I, I maybe that's why I told them. Six months, I don't know what happened there. I was like, and I only need six months. I'd love for it to come out next year. And I'm just talking. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, Jill, please, why are you saying this? But I said it, and they were like, oh, okay, great. And so I had, you know, six months and met my deadline for that somehow, but mostly because my life was just getting ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then the book almost became a a like an escape from what else was happening. I was like, now this is easier. Hmm. And then it wasn't ridiculous, (laughs) and then it got harder. So it shifted into it, but six months. um, So, yeah, all this started last year. And so mine is a, a little more quick. Yeah. It's it's moving more quickly. So yeah, not long. Okay. I'm circling back to snacks and beverages. 
Oh, I'm so sorry. It's the only, I'm, it's like the only question I ever ask no, everyone. And it's the only question I actually care about. The rest of this is, no, Tracy, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I feel, I'm embarrassed almost because I feel that way too. And I just, I'm just, you know, I'm hungry, nerves, but like, you know, I understand. I am too. Um, I know that it's like people don't do it anymore, but I love coffee, okay. you know, and I know everybody's like, oh, I don't drink coffee anymore. And then I'm like, great. So you don't understand. But like <laughs> lots and lots of coffee. Um, and how do you snack- take your coffee? Black. Okay. Jill is and not black. just to be. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, not just to be like, oh, I take it black. Jill is black. But like I take it black out of convenience at this point. Got um, it. But black coffee and, like, I'm big on the apples. Oh. People who know me know I'm, like, always with an apple. This is very Washington um, of you. Very Washington Very Washington of me. Very Washington of me. You know, like, apples and pecans all the time. Oh. Um, but, you know, I'm vegan. Okay. And, and, and you know, like, an, I wouldn't say an annoying one, but I think more annoying than most in one way. I think that it's – I think – everyone else's eating habits annoy me personally, like regardless of what you do and don't eat. I have so, such strong feelings about food in certain ways. And I so I just am like, oh, like I am annoyed that an apple is considered a snack to you because that is considered like hard work for me. Well, OK, that's fine because I'm lying <laughs> too. I don't think we're annoying. Um, I, I look, I am from the South, so I cook a lot and I have some indulgent things. <laughs> But, you know, when I'm writing, yeah, I'm like, I'm chopping it up. You know what I mean? So I need like crunch this, boom, boom. Like, I, you know, I can't get into it because then I want to savor the food. Yeah. I want to take my time with it. I want it to be romantic. Yeah. So I just, I can't do all of that no, I while feel I'm you. writing. I feel you know what I mean? What you're saying tracks with the majority of people that I have on the podcast. Usually okay. I ask this question all the time because I love snacks and I'm, yeah. I would say, of the time, the answer is some form of disappointing to me because it's like I don't snack or I like eat fruits and vegetables as a snack. And like the only person who really like impressed me, wowed me, brought me to the table and I was like, I'm with you was Tressie McMillan Cottom. She has a crunchy, a salty, a sweet. She has like a whole array. She has multiple beverages. Like she was speaking to my heart. Everyone else – you know, someone who blurbed your book, Jason Reynolds, vegetables or something horrible. I was like, Jason, uh, I want to die. This I conversation. Don't, I don't even end. know. And I don't mean to talk about Jason like that, but I'm going to have to text him and see if that's even true. If he because snacks. No, he does. But when we recorded in person, he ate a donut. And then I found out saying. later that that's he is I'm healthy. Saying. And I was like, well, I've met you once you, and you had a how donut. Do you fi- how do you find out later that he's healthy? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm Okay. No, we're going to we're going to talk. Jason and I have a dynamic where this is good for me. Okay. You know, because like we do we do this thing. So this is wonderful information. Right. Thank you. And he listens, so he'll probably tweet or DM me and be like, Jason. How, "How come he'll one time someone else said they like something healthy and he was like, "See, I'm not the only person who eats healthy things." Okay. And I was like, "See how mm, he is." I see. He, he made fun of me for being healthy. Oh. When we first met, this is our first conversation with him. I know Jill doesn't eat. And it just went from there. And he was right. But like, no, Jason, wherever you are right now, like. We're coming for you. The snack police are coming. (laughs) You can follow me or unfollow me at the snack police. Call in, call out at. Come in, come out at. I'm I'm working on my abolitionist lifestyle, but snack policing? Never. Do not abolish a snack police. Yeah, unwilling. Yeah, unwilling. unwilling to give it up. I mean, everybody has to draw the line. It's true. 
<laughs> this is what you I'm know? passionate about. Apparently yeah. books, but really in my oh, heart, it it's snacks. It's the snacks. And I it's kick myself snacks. every day that I didn't do a snack podcast because I was like, the amount of books I get sent, imagine if that was all snacks. Snack, like all snacks. Dunkaroos, goldfish. I'd just be so happy. Dunkaroos. It's, oh, wow. I didn't even know they still made those. I, I, some, someone I follow on social media got some like gift pack from them and I was that like could have been you it should have been you. me I know you get these fucking books <laughs> I got your book <laughs> this fucking shit <laughs> this bullshit no I'm it glad I got dunkaroos. it yeah okay I wish I your mean, book you came with dunkaroos though is all it should that should have been that your wasn't publicity in plan that wasn't in my budget <laughs> I don't I don't know if that would have to come to me I don't know what's going on but I'll see I'll yeah. email somebody and just see what's going check on check in with Rosie um, or whatever she'll let us know uh, yeah 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 Rosie, Rosie knows, knows what's uh, up we, we got questions <laughs> coming from everywhere now yeah <laughs> This is great. Uh, this is like a real non sequitur, totally, but kind of re- related. How do you preserve and or tap into your creativity? Oh, oh Tracy, with the big questions. Okay. <laughs> I feel like Quentin. Sorry. Um, I think <laughs> I feel okay. I think usually it has to be from a place where in this of course, it's not for everybody, but I have to almost get a little tired of myself and mm. need to create something new because the way that I am, I'll like think about something for a long time. Like, I want to do this thing around. And I'm like, why are you still talking about that? Do something else. Mm. And then I can get it because right now I can't write. And you asked this earlier, so I didn't answer. I'm not writing at all right now. And I'm just have to be honest about that. I'm fully, I want to do something visual mm. next and then I'll want to do this. But usually I have to be like, okay, and I'm done before I can pick up something again. So usually when I'm just like a little bit exhausted, I have a day job, Mm. you know? So, and that's really helped me with like, I only do this because I want to do it. Right. You know, and if somebody else is is making major going off of it, good for you. Right. But for me to be happy, it has to be like, all right, that part is taken care of. And now I'm like free to think of what I really want to do. Would Um, you ever want to not have one? No. Okay. And if my boss is listening, I like my job a lot. <laughs> I get to help people and talk to people. And, you know, it's it's something I'm just as proud of as anything else that I'm doing. Like, the book is great, and it comes with all this fun stuff. And I get to talk to you, which is, like, <laughs> awesome because you're a superstar. But, like, you know, it, it's – that's – this part is great. But I think, you know, like, I'm good at my at my job, my, like – regular job and so um this will always be when I feel inspired to do it and I want to make sure of that that's sort of freeing for me it is for me it is yeah Yeah. and then there are people who are like I can't show up to that place and do that like I want to do this fully and whatever and yeah yeah I mean it's also individual especially when it comes at least my experience like being around creative people for my whole entire life is like everyone has different ins and outs, which is what's so interesting when you think about like the product, right? Like there's all these books in the world and I get to talk to authors and people who have written books and it's like the way that they get in and out of the creativity is just so incredibly varied, which is very cool. What's a word you can never spell correctly on the first try? It used to be restaurant when I was growing up. So then Wow, same word as Jason Reynolds and Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) Big day for you. <laughs> I bet we're like all sages. I know, Jason. Uh, it used to be that one that my mom made me practice every day. Spell restaurant, spell restaurant, spell restaurant. It's great. 
Um, but there's one now and I just never, ever know. But I'm going to be honest, there are a lot of these. Because then I, for some reason, set up like walls to mm. learning it. Yes. You know, I'm just like, whoa. Well, like, why? Like, learn it right now and just be done. But there are like at least 11 that are just sitting there and I should just work on them. But I'm going to, because I can't think of it, I'll have to go with the Jason answer, which he'll love. Restaurant. <laughs> restaurant. But you can spell he, that now. Where he eats donuts. Yeah, the donut restaurant specifically. Yeah, the donut it's restaurant. It's really hard to spell donut. Donut, one of the only words I can spell. One of the only words okay. I care about. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm seeing a pattern here. <laughs> I'm starting to learn what's yes, going on. Yes, yes, you see. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this is sort of a fucked up question to ask someone who has not f- even published their book yet. But do you have, and you can tell me to fuck off and leave you alone, but do you know what comes next for you? Fuck off and leave. Okay. No, I just want to say. Okay. Um, yeah. Do I know? No. No. Okay. But I, but I think that I want to be having a lot of conversations around this book. I want uh, probably another season of Moms as Managers. I am feeling like I'm about to shift into writing again. Okay. I can I can feel it getting there. So then it's time to to see about that next book also and what that looks like for me. Because when people read now, they're like, "Seems like you left it like there's mm-hmm. something else coming." I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be something else coming because we got to talk about the next stage, right? And there will be, yeah. even if you don't have it yet. But when you when you sort of feel these like waves coming on of like the shift for you, do you know or did you know that there would be potentially another book for you one day? Or when you finish a thing, can you not in- like, is there a world in which you finish the book and there never again is another book for you? Or are you one of those people that's like, eventually when I write my second book and then you just wait for that wave to come? Yeah. I mean, I've been saying my second book. So okay. that's the. You know, that's where the truth is for me. Um, This one, it was hard because I felt like I was undoing something Mm. to get to a start. Right. You know what I mean? So this was like a a kind of a hard one because it was transitioning a lot of different things at once, circumstantially. So I almost had to get this far into it to just be like, right, book book two, because this felt like all of my last four Mm. years, you know, sort of being unearthed and coming up. And I didn't have the space to think about what happened after this because I couldn't even envision what happened after this. And now I'm starting to get more like, okay, we're getting closer. It, it might just be normal. Like right. even if people hate your book and they don't like you and they're like, fuck you, Jill, that's still normal because this is life. Right. So now I can like clear some space and be like, but what do you want to do? And, you know, it's about that time. Oh, I'm excited. I can't wait. I, this is this is one of the problems with getting to read books early is I'm like, okay, well, I read this book three months ago. So like, what's next? Like, <laughs> what's next? For you? What's I'm waiting. I'm waiting. What's, you are you have, really late. You have three months to turn in your next book to keep on track because I'm three I, months I ahead of everybody. <laughs> I, if I say, you know, I would say, I'd be like, you're right, Tracy, three months. You you called Bloomsbury. You're like, I have a book yeah. for you in six and days. Like, one. <laughs> Thank you. Signed up. <laughs> like, we don't even want that. <laughs> They're like, call us for the third one. Um, yeah. Okay, but for people who do read your book and who love it, are there books you might recommend to them that are in conversation with your work that you think, you know, not necessarily the same kind of book, but like something that you're like, oh, if you like this, you'll like that? Um, You know, I'm always going to say anybody from my Rhode Island Writers Colony family. So Candace and Christine and Jason and uh, Mateo and then all of the forthcoming books as well that you will get to know about. I think you should just 
probably Google Rhode Island Riders Colony. And I'm As you're saying everyone's names, I'm like, I've, you're the last one for me to have on the podcast. Because I, I haven't had Candace on, but we did her book. Had Mateo, uh-huh. had Christine, had Jason. Now you. Very exciting. <laughs> We're a fun group. So. I know. I want to come hang. Wait, Look. is that the same retreat? At which, no. Oh, I was going to say no. the, the flowers. <laughs> you know, people are asking this, but I'm like, this is the retreat that makes this one necessary. Got it. Right. Got it. And, you know, of course, I'm a little concerned. I'm like, I hope that that's very clear. But there are no um, white overseers involved right. here. And no, but no flowers um, either. The flowers were really important to me. I was very interested in who got what flowers by the end of that essay. I was like, but what did you get? Like, I need to know. What did you get? What did you get? Um, yes. And of course, I'm a huge fan of Yersa Daily Ward. And so the terrible um, is something that I read before I started this and was such a an honest book. Um, and I know her next one is coming, but that one for me is really, really special. Um, yeah, I think any anytime someone is just being honest, I love Chloe Caldwell. So I also read a lot of her. Her book is coming and we'll be in conversation at Karis Bookstone. But other than that, like, I don't know. I kind of had to shut it out for a while because I'm one of those people I do observe. And Mm. then I'm like, wait, is this coming from you? Um, So I kind of have been tuned out. But I feel good about that list. And for people who are getting ready to pick up the book, they love you. They've listened to you for this last hour. What do you hope that those people will keep in mind as they read? I'm sorry. And I'm reading Cultish by Amanda Montel. Oh, I just finished that. You just finished it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Did you read her first book? It. Did you read Words? Yes. Loved yes. Words. I love, I really liked both, but I, it, I was yeah. re- really impressed by her. Not yeah, to sound patronizing or no, horrible. No, But like, like I was really impressed. Is, it's an important book. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had such a fun time reading that book and I learned a lot and she's good. Yeah. She's good for that. And um, she made me feel better about myself because I had a lot of like insecurities around the way that I talk because I now talk for work and people, mm. I ask people, I mm-hmm. encourage people to re- leave a review. Sometimes when I read them, I have feelings also. And she made me feel better about saying like a lot yeah. and talking like a quote unquote Valley girl. I mean, whatever. Oh my God. I mean, at this point, what does that even mean? I know. I, I'm from California. Okay. Leave me alone. This I, is how we I, talk. Look, hey, <laughs> hey, I, I am from California, but grew up in Alabama. And this is how I talk. People are like, Jill, where are you oh, from? Oh, right. I forgot to tell you, we, I'm from Oakland. There was so much in your book about like your grandparents and all of that. I was like, oh, I'm very familiar with this whole thing. Ah, Anyways, I completely nice. forgot that part. Good to, good to know. Good to <laughs> yeah. know, Tracy. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm now like totally blanking oh, on the question. The question was, what do you hope folks who pick up this, this book will keep in mind? Unfollow me, your book. Yeah, we don't have to agree. I think the biggest thing is saying that it's an exercise of honesty, but you don't have to agree with my honesty. Mm. Um, And I don't have to agree with yours. It is here to say, what if we tried it like this instead? And if it's for you, then go with it. And if Mm. it's for not, I understand that. I am not the person that needs everybody to love this book. Do I have feelings when people don't love the book? Of course I do. Mm -hmm. But when I settle down into myself, I'm like, wait, this review makes sense or this feeling makes sense or you don't have this experience. And that makes sense to me. Right. So I hope people go in saying like, yeah, I write. I have, you know, a voice that is very specific in terms of like, I like to just go ahead and say the thing. But that, I mean, again, I won't agree with myself about all of it soon. And this is the point. We should keep like disagreeing with ourselves and finding out who we are and what we think and being honest with each other. That's the point of the of the book is right. talking about the great in-between when we're right and <laughs> when we're honest. So, yeah, I would say that, like... I just find so agree. much of what you say to be so empowering. I just, like, 
because I, I don't know, I'm always feeling like I want people to agree with me because I don't want to be wrong or like, you know, like, and I think that there's so much in that of like, if you're coming to it in good faith yeah. from a place of honesty, that not only do we not have to agree, but that we, our future selves may not agree with our past selves. Right. And like that, that, that reminder is the piece for me that I'm like, of course, of course. Right. So why would I think that everyone has to agree with me or that that is important in the moment, you know? Right. I feel like feelings make it hard. Feelings make it hard. People have them. We do it. It's just the reminder. Like, how right. long do you want to sit in that? And then what does that really mean that someone disagrees with you? And then you'll miss things. Like, I read a review that had me upset like 26 hours, right? <laughs> and I was so upset that I missed the parts that said, well, actually this thing and this. And I agreed with the disagreement. You right. know, I was like, actually, okay. All right. right. Fine. Right. But like, when you're in your feeling, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, it's it's hard, but we're all we got to try it and we got to figure something else out because or else we're all going to be too scared of the nuance. And then there's Mm. just not a lot we can do from that place because it's going to be more important to be right than to be real. And I don't know how to move from there. Right. Right. It's true. It's like there's no there are no waves of creativity coming from that place because it's such a stuck, stopped, stopped location. And also, you know, I for me, like I'm so obsessed with criticism. Like I love I love to critique things like Mm -hmm. I'll see a play that I think is the greatest thing in the world and literally be like, this was bad and this was bad. (laughs) And and I enjoy that. Like to me, that is the enjoyable part of consumption when it comes to art. And so it's hard, but it's hard to remember when you're the person being critiqued that like there is a joy and a love that comes from the time that someone takes to criticize, you know, and like if it's not just mean spirited again, like in good faith, you know, if someone's like, like someone has written a very horrible review about my podcast, which you can all go read on Apple podcast when you review the show yourself. And it was mean and like rude. I like that. And I I was like, thank you. It was mean and rude. And I was like, this is fucked up. But then there have been some where I'm like, you're right. I do say like a lot. (laughs) I wish I did it. But call Amanda Mondale because she'll tell you it's fine. Amanda will tell you it's you know people say it's about impact and not intent and I'm not I'm not quite settled on that yet I think hmm. both are important um you know I feel like getting someone's intent and be like do you why are you what's going on you know right. like I'm still curious about it and it doesn't mean that it's greater than the impact I'm still curious about intent I want to know the whys and when someone is like even if they come on and say all this I'm like What's going on? Right. Why like this? You know, right. because you can come here and critique me and, and right. you could be right, whatever that means. But why like this? And usually there is an answer. Right. And I that's an interesting idea. I think intent is super important, but I also definitely think that impact, at least for me, I feel like impact is more important because I think for a lot of people, they don't understand their impact. But you know, like like historically impact. Yeah, right. but we usually say it. We usually say that impact is important when we're not the ones. Who oh, of course. Impact. Yeah, no, you know, a thousand percent. Like, impact is the, the most important thing because we're on the right. receiving. Because we're the, vic- the victim side. Right. Whatever, but not when to it's victimize. you. Right, of course. We all care about our intent so right. much. We're like, wait, right. wait, let me tell you why I did. Even if we're wrong, we're like, hey, I'm sorry. I was wrong, whatever. Right. Let me tell you why this happened this right. day. We love our intent. Right. And it's someone else and we're on the receiving end. All of a sudden it's like, sorry, impact yeah. is the only thing that matters No, I agree. Me. I think it, there's a much more like nuanced balance between yeah. intent and impact. But I also, I think about this a lot because I think about the ways that we can't see our impact yeah. in the world. And I think that's where that maxim comes from is like, yeah. you can't see 
that your intent, you know, like if I intended to cut down my tree or whatever, I can't see the impact that that's going to have in 20 years on global warming or whatever. You know, this is a mm-hmm. horrible example. But so so I understand like the idea yeah. of that. But I also hear what you're saying, which is like we can only feel what we feel. So when we're the person being being hurtful, it's about intent. Mm-hmm. And we're the person being harmed. It's about impact because right. that's like it's a from an us centered place. Right. But like that there both. is a balance in between. Yeah. Like there's something in between those two places where like the the whatever quote unquote truth, which also, you know, maybe doesn't exist. What, whatever. Uh, <laughs> whatever but like there, there's like a reality in between yeah. impact and intent that's like for an outside observer. <laughs> Absolutely. And that really scares because, you know, we get to have all the conversations. Like we get to have the one about impact. We get to have the one about intent. We get to have the one about gray. We act right. like we can't have them. Like right. someone's going to take them from us. Like it if has we... To, we have to agree. It's impact over intent or intent yeah. over impact. Let's talk about all of those things. Right. And then you tell me why, you, th- you know, so we're not giving anything up. I think I'm with you. It's, it's about the balance of saying we tend to go to the extreme because now we've been harmed and we're like, no, you have no idea how this feels. I see you not caring yeah. about impact, intent, whatever. Right. Or I can see that this intent is kind of fucked up. Right. And even if you're not impacting me in the way you think, right. I'm questioning, you know, it's it's all of it, but we've got to bring it back in because we don't have to actually settle on the right or wrong. And I, and I have information for people. In two years, we're throwing everything we're saying is right away for the next thing. Yep. So as you talk about people like this, keep in mind where we were five years ago. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind where we were 10 years ago, what you were saying, what mm-hmm. other people were saying, what your mm-hmm. friends were saying. This stuff is, it's changing all the time. So when you are talking, maybe right. we just remember like, I don't even know if we're going to be saying this word in this many right. years or not. Or, or I wasn't bringing this group into the conversation right. at this point. Now I know to do that. If it's happening to us, it's happening to other people. And, you know, we're balance. I really like the word balance. I'm yeah. all for balance. It's a good word. It is a great. It's, it's a great ideal. It is so fucking hard in practice. Oh my it's god. It's so hard. Like imagine it's the hardest so thing hard. in the world. Balance might be one of them. Like in all aspects of life too, right? Like just That's everything. That's true. It it really is. It's not to just devastate everyone with the most impossible aspirational word ever. But today's show is brought to you by the letter B and the word balance. Um, This is my last question for you. If you could have one person dead or alive, read, unfollow me, who would you want it to be? Ralph Ellison. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I read Invisible Man strangely for the first time last year. My mom had wanted me to read forever. Had dedicated the book to me when I was like four, you know, just all the things. But last year was the year, and I appreciated it so much for, you know, we forget how many of these things we just cycle through. You know, it's like it was written yesterday, and it was it was great perspective to be like, we just cycle, and we cycle, and we cycle, and we try to get these things better with each cycle, and some things feel worse with each cycle. Right. But, like, it felt so close. And it also, you know, Ralph speaks in the extremes of, like, this is what this feels like. Any, any, it feels like sci-fi hmm. almost. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. This is an overwhelming time to live in. So we better, we better work on some balance. And that's yeah. not a, a warning, but like you deserve balance. Yeah. You, you know, you saw your life change. We had to bring out all of this, and also self-care came quickly behind it. Right. Let's ask why <laughs> we were all of a sudden like, wait, right. hold on. There's a reason. Hmm. That's all. Yeah. Ugh. 
Jill, you're so great. I'm so glad that we got to talk today. Thank you for writing your book. Everyone at home, when you're listening to this, the book is out in the world. You can get it wherever you get your books. There are links for you in the show notes. It's called Unfollow Me, Essays on Complicity by Jill Louise Busby, today's guest. Jill, thank you so much. Tracy, thank you. I'm going to check this off my bucket list. (laughs) I see everybody else. I'm like, look at Tracy interviewing this person. Like, when is it going to be me? And now it's me. You wrote a book and here you are. Manifest that Mm, shit. Look. Yay. Thank you so much. Everyone else, we will see you in the stacks. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to Jill for being my guest. I'd also like to thank Rosie Mahordor for coordinating this interview. The Stacks Book Club pick for September is Blood in the Water by Heather Ann Thompson. We will discuss the book on Wednesday, September 29th with Derricka Purnell. If you love the show, please head to patreon.com slash the stacks to join the Stacks Pack. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you're listening to your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, can you take one moment to leave us a rating and a review? For more from the Stacks, follow us on social media at the Stacks Pod on Instagram and at the Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. And check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. Our editor is Christian Duenas. Our graphic designer is Robin McCright, and our theme music is from Tegirgis. The Stacks is created and produced by.